Hallelujah. Let's stir up the gift that's inside of us. Jesus said, I go to the Father and I send the gift of my Father. So let's stir up the Holy Ghost. Amen. And, um, and acknowledge, let's acknowledge every good thing in us in Christ Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's sing in the Spirit. Let's worship in the Spirit for a few minutes, for a minute or so. We're going to sing our first song about the blood of Jesus. The precious blood of Jesus redeems. We are forgiven. We are alive. Restore set free. Amen. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. We bless your name, Father God. We honor your Holy Spirit, the gift of God, the promise of the Father to us came through the blood of Jesus. We honor your Holy Spirit in this place. The precious blood of Jesus Christ redeems, forgiven I'm alive, restored, set free. Your majesty resides inside of me, forever I believe, forever I believe. The precious blood. The precious blood of Jesus Christ redeems, forgiven I'm alive, restored and free. Your majesty resides inside of me, forever I believe, forever I believe, I'm resting by you.
within the Savior's love and you took my place, knowing you'd be crucified. You love, you love a people on this earth. I know you made the world your only son for us. You know your Jesus, you came. Thank you, you died. Thank you, you risen. Thank you, ascended. Thank you, are seated. And we thank you for coming back again to us, the glorious church. We give you honor in the sanctuary. We are gathered to meet see your power and your glory. We honor the blood where we stand in you, in heavenly places, in you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the blood that healed us, that made us everything new. We are brand new creation in Christ Jesus. All things has passed away. All things has become new. And all things are of you, our Father God, in Christ Jesus. Everything new, for we are spirits and new man. Your Holy Spirit on the side of us. We are brand new creatures. We give you honor through the blood.
saying is rewriting my history. It's covering me with destiny. Writing my history every day. It covers me with destiny. It's making all things right. The precious blood of Christ is rewriting my history. All things pass away. Hallelujah. It covers me with destiny. It's making all things right. The precious blood of Christ is rewriting. It's rewriting my history. Believe it, church. That's what's happening with the blood. It covers me with destiny. It's making all things right. The precious blood of Christ. Declare again. It's rewriting my history. Wiping all the past. Hallelujah. It covers me with destiny. Eternal life in Christ Jesus. It's making all things right. service and as they will go home what the blood is speaking thank you clarity of hearing father clarity of understanding through your spirit for his spirit of wisdom understanding counsel might knowledge and fear of God that this morning as the word unfolds there will be a supernatural divine visitation of understanding of the power of the blood of Jesus and what has been accomplished we give you honor we honor you in this place, Father. You are revealing to us yourself. Hallelujah. As we stand before you, we declare your majesty. We declare your majesty. We proclaim that your name is exalted, for you reign magnificently true, victoriously and 
question comes, what are you bowing before him? Is it your knees? Is it your heart? Is it your thoughts? Is it your emotion? Is it your circumstances? The question rises before his throne. What are you bowing for our Father in heaven? Take a moment and submit all to him who is worthy of it all. Submit every care, submit every emotion, Submit every desire, every thought, every purpose you ordain for yourself before his throne. For even the elders, the redeemed in heaven, they cast their crowns before his majesty. 
the one who has obtained eternal life and seated on the throne with him, yet cast their crowns before him. So let's on earth, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Let's bow everything in our will, emotions, physical body, circumstances, everything that we call our own. Let's give it to him who is worthy of it all. Give him your life. Give him everything you receive for everything you obtain is from him. Give it back to him for he is the one who rewards you openly. He is the one who is able to enrich you. He is the one who is able to bless you abundantly more than you can think or imagine. Hallelujah. Let's sing it back again and we exclaim. And we exclaim, our God is mighty. Lift up your name. Father, as we stand before you, we obtain from you every help that we need to have the days ahead. You are our Father. You are so good. You are so awesome. As we bow our hearts and lives before you, you enrich it with your presence, with the abundance of your goodness. Hallelujah. You are so beautiful and awesome in all your ways. Hallelujah. We love on you, Lord, as you love on us every day. Sometimes we don't notice it. But now we take a moment to love on you and see how so beautiful you are, how marvelous you are. Harabaki
yet God crushed you for my sin. Cut off that I might enter. Who can grasp such tender compassion? Who can fathom this mercy so free? You are beautiful beyond description. Lamb of God, who
He is immeasurable. He is perfect in all of his ways. He created the heavens and the earth. And by his stretched out arms, he stretched them out like a curtain. Nothing is difficult for him. Nothing is hard for him. There is no degree of difficulty with him. For he is infinite in power. Infinite in wisdom. His ways are past finding out. He is awesome. He is God and he is God alone. There is none like him. Stand in awe of him. Bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name. Praise you, Lord. Now, before we go to the word, I just, this just came up in my spirit, and I'm just going to read it. In Revelation chapter 5, where it says in verse 8, Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the throne, and having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open his se its seals. For you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, out of every human identification out of and you have made us kings and priests to our God we are a new creation and we shall reign on the earth then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now Jesus, the lamb of God, has been exalted to the Father's right hand. And he's been given all power and all authority. And he's been given a most excellent name. And at that name, every knee bows. And he has also been given. He has received power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And you and I were raised up together with him and have been made to sit together with him in heavenly places, in the place of ascension, at the Father's right hand. Not only have you and I been given joint seating with him and been made a new creation, but God has made us joint heirs with Christ. So that all that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. So even as he has received 
all riches and power and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Everything that he has received, you are an heir of God, but you are joined heir with him and they belong to you. And it is by the authority of the blood of Jesus that has qualified us. It's the blood of Jesus that has qualified us to be partaker of the inheritance. It is the blood of Jesus that says all of the promises are yes and amen. It is the blood of Jesus that says you are qualified. You are a joint heir of Christ. And what belongs to Jesus belongs to you. So now by the authority of that blood, by the authority of that blood, you have received power. By the authority of that blood, you have received riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. The blessing of the Lord belongs to you. The glory of the Lord has been given unto you. All power in heaven and earth that is in that name. Oh, what is the exceeding greatness of his power that is in us that believe. And he's given unto us glory. He's given unto us virtue. He's crowned us with glory and he's crowned us with honor. You are an heir, an heir to the riches, an heir to the wisdom, for Christ is made unto you wisdom. Now, if you look at this from the natural, you may look at your bank account and it might be in minus. You may look at your physical body and it might look like, like there is, you might see symptoms that are not in line. But we are a people of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And according to that faith, no matter what it looks like in your bank account, by the authority of that blood, you have received all riches and glory and wisdom and knowledge. You are a joint heir with Christ. You've been raised up together with Christ. So walk by faith and not by sight. Do not let you are no longer to be sensed ruled people. But you are a people of faith that worship God and serve him in spirit and in truth. Amen? Praise the Lord. So, Father, we give you thanks. And we thank you, Lord, that as we go to the word, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, our hearts are strengthened. Our hearts are enlarged. And we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and in the knowledge of who we are in him. And we receive the grace the wisdom, the understanding, so that we might walk in the word as who you have called us to be and who you have made us, sons of the Most High God. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Let's have a seat. Praise the Lord. Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. You know, I know we do such a consciousness today of the times that we are living in. And, but we know this. The enemy has been cast down. The accuser has been cast down. And we have overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. For we love not our lives even unto death. Therefore, rejoice, O ye heavens, and you who dwell in them. Say, I'm seated in heavenly places. So rejoice, 
Rejoice, O ye heaven, and you who dwell in them. Say I, say I live by the constitution of heaven. I walk by faith and not by sight. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. <laughs> For the devil has come down to you having great wrath. Because he knows that he has but a short time. But guess what? We are seated in heavenly places. So we rejoice. And nothing are we terrified from the enemy. Amen? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, there was just a tickle in my nose. Tickling in the nose. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right? Glory to God. Let's go to the word. Now, I have a word that I believe the Lord wants, to sh wants me to share today. In fact, I know it is. And it is this, and I'm titling this. You have enough faith. Now, move those mountains. You have enough faith. Don't ask God to give you what you already have or what he has already given you. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has given you faith. So it is pointless, if not completely absurd, to ask God to give you faith when he has already given it to you. You need to acknowledge it. And then, you have enough faith, now move those mountains. It is also a misapplication and a misunderstanding to ask God to do what he has told you to do. He has told you and I to speak to the mountain and command them to be cast into the sea. He has told us to move the mountain, to speak to the mountain. So we are not to ask God to do what he's told us to do. We are not to ask God to move the mountain. We are to move the mountain. The message is, you have enough faith. Now move those mountains. Amen? All right. Now, the objective of the word that God has for you today, God wants you to come to a place. By the end of this teaching, when we leave this teaching, for you to leave with a confidence that you have enough faith. And therefore, for you to have a confidence in your own faith, which is the faith that God has given unto you, that you would have a confidence of faith. And that you would also recognize that you have enough faith to move those mountains. Now, that mountain might be sickness, it might be disease, it might be poverty, it might be lack, it might be oppression of some sort. Whatever that mountain is, 
Whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever is that promise that you need to have fulfilled, God has given you enough faith and I, the desire is that you will come to that persuasion that you have enough faith and then get a hold of your faith and speak to the mountains and command them to be removed and mix the promises with faith and receive the fulfillment. Amen? Amen. Is it a little loud? Is it? Is it? Okay. Praise the Lord. Now this one is. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Say I got enough faith. Uh, no, I'm okay. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. Well, think about it for a moment. You know, if you're standing smack in front of the mountain, man, that thing looks huge. But if you rise up and you get a aeroplane or you uh, or you take off and you you go way up and you begin to look at the mountain from where you are seated in the place of ascension that mountain doesn't look as big anymore that mountain is but a molehill that mountain yes do that that mountain is but a plain are you with me so say this with me regarding whatever mountain you might be dealing with say this with me in fact, stand up and say this. Glory to God. And get your authority finger, finger out. Which is your authority finger? Is this your authority finger? Okay, get your authority finger out. And say this with me. Say, say this with me. And you're speaking from where you are in the place of ascension. Say, mountain, who do you think you are? Don't you know who I am? I am a son of God. And I have the faith of Christ. Mountain, you are but a plane before me. Amen. Let's have a seat. <laughs> Amen. Now, quite often, believers, as believers, we somehow have been fed a lie. And we have been seduced to think that we do not have enough faith to move the mountain. We've been seduced to think that. And the devil is the number one seducer that have tried to teach us this lie that we don't have enough faith. Well, he's a liar. But also too, and again, I'm not pointing fingers at ministers or anything else, but what happened is it has been, you know, sometimes if there is a faith failure, first thing is, hey, you don't have enough faith. But where is that coming from? It's coming primarily from an inaccurate understanding of certain scriptures that are in the Bible, especially in the Gospels. Scriptures that speak about, oh, ye of little faith. And so you're thinking as if there's an issue about size of faith. Oh, I have not seen such great faith. So again, you think about size. Concerning, the, like with, with, with Abraham, Oh, he grew strong in faith. And where is your faith? And so these scriptures, when we look at them, uh, it, it appears as if, uh, as if somehow it is saying that, that about the size of faith and we don't have enough of it. Somehow you always feel as if I don't have enough of it. But even though that's how the scripture sounds, yet Jesus comes along and Jesus says emphatically, 
If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which is the tiniest seed, so to speak. If you have faith the size of a tiny mustard seed, he says you'll be able to say to this mountain, be removed and it will obey you. You'll be able to say to this sycamore tree, be plucked up from the roots, be uprooted, and it will obey you. And he says, with that tiny little mustard seed faith, nothing will be impossible to you. Well, nothing means what? Nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible to you with your tiny little mustard seed faith. So Jesus is saying, look, the size of your faith is irrelevant. You have enough faith. You, you certainly have a tiny mustard seed faith. You were born again, and when you were born again, that was the greatest miracle that can ever take place. There is no miracle that you can ever desire in your life that is greater than the miracle you've already experienced by your faith, which is being born again. Anything else is lesser. So the point is, you have enough faith. But let's deal with where this misconception and this misunderstanding has come from so that we can destroy it, remove it, and that you can leave here today with a confident conviction that you have enough faith and then you're going to go take your mountain. Take, take your mountain. <laughs> you go take some mountains, you're right. Go use your faith and knock those and flatten those mountains. Make the crooked places straight in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right, so, um, but let me, yeah, let me give you a, 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 a yeah, let, let, me, let me give you a little bit of a snapshot, a little bit more, just to rub it in. Is that okay? <laughs> Jesus said, okay, I will. Sorry about that. Anyway, in Matthews, in Luke chapter 17, I'm going to come back to this, but right now I'm just going to jump straight down. In, in, in Luke chapter 17, then he said to his disciples, okay, fine. It is impossible that no offense should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. Am I in the right place? Am I in the right place? Something here is not right. Okay, verse 6, I'm sorry, verse 5. And it is apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea. And it would obey you. If you have faith, just a tiny little mustard seed faith, and by the way, he never said anything about planting your faith like the mustard seed. He didn't say that. That's another misunderstanding. He simply said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that's what he said. And he said, with that faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and it shall obey you. You shall say to it, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Now think for a moment. I understand that a mulberry tree is something like 60 feet. Amen? Now if it is 60 feet high, it should have about 60 feet in the ground. Is that, is that reasonable? 60 feet in the ground. Now imagine you came one day, and I, can you imagine here you came, and this 
tree that has 60 feet in the ground is uprooted. And it is over there lying next to the sea. And you wonder, what happened? Was there a tornado? What happened? And you went and you looked and you saw this tiny little seed underneath this mustard tree. Wouldn't that blow your mind? Well, that's what Jesus said. Just that tiny mustard seed can move that, can uproot that tree. All right? Jesus said this more than once in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Glory to God. Matthew chapter 17, and I'm just going to go straight to verse 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, to this mountain, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and go over there. And it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. Have you ever stood before a mountain in, in, in real life? Have you ever seen the Rocky Mountains? Have you ever seen, like I've seen some mountains in Lebanon? Have you seen some of the mountains, like, like in Colorado? Have you ever seen wherever, you, some part of the world? Have you, ever see, have you ever seen some of the mountains in, in British Columbia? Now imagine one of those mountains. Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move and go over there. And you'll come and find the mountain over there. And when you look, what happened? How did this mountain get here? And you come and you find this tiny seed. This tiny little seed underneath this mountain. That mountain could not stop the fate of that mustard seed. God said, Jesus said, and God has dealt you a measure of faith. Now I'm saying that because I want to begin to inject this into your heart. You have more than enough faith. Jesus is going to go on to say in Matthew 17, after he said that, um, let me repeat it again. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Did Jesus say that? Did Jesus mean that? Was he just being figurative? Or is this real or is God playing games with us? All right. Say, I have enough faith. All right. So let us begin to look at where this issue of not having enough faith came from. All right. Let's look at a couple of them. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, let me start out by saying this thing. This, this, let me make this statement. As we consider these scriptures from which it, it has come regarding whether we have enough faith or not. I will simply say this. The thing is, we get locked in and we get sucked in to this thought that these scriptures are talking about the size of your faith. Which I emphatically say they are not. They're not talking about the size of your faith. It's not an issue about the size of your faith. You have enough faith. They are quite often talking about the quality of your faith. And they are talking uh, uh, about the functioning of your faith. How you use it. So, let's start, all right? Matthew chapter 14. Are you ready? Okay, fasten your seatbelt. Just in case we, we have some turbulence. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> all right. Matthew chapter 14. Let's pick it up in verse 22. Now, immediately, 
Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he had sent them away. He went up to the mountain and prayed. Time has gone by. Now evening come. Here he is. He's alone in the mountain and he's praying. But the boat that he sent a while ago was now in the middle of the sea. And it was tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on water. Walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear, say fear, all right, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water, so he said, come, and when Peter had come out of the boat, he, Peter, walked on the water to go to Jesus. He walked on the water, literally defying natural law. And immediately, okay, and, and, okay, and then he walked on the water to go to Jesus, verse 30. And when he is headed to Jesus, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous. He was afraid. Say afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, from that phrase, we take it that Jesus says, Oh, 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 you of little faith, that Peter didn't have enough faith. But let's stop for a moment. If Peter didn't have enough faith and he was walking on water, what about you and I, man? We're in a lot of trouble. Because he was walking on water and he didn't have enough faith? Like, how many folks do that? I mean, there, 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 isn't, there wouldn't be much hope for us. So what was Jesus? Was Jesus saying, Peter... You didn't have enough faith? No, no, no. This is what Jesus was saying. If you saw two wrestlers, one wrestler is about, is about, I don't know, four feet, five inches. And the other wrestler is like six, nine. And he is like six, nine weighs 380 pounds. This other four foot wrestler weighs 105 pounds. You can, you can, you can, you would probably say, that that, that, that that one there, that that's a little wrestler. He's little, and you're talking about size. However, if you have a situation, and if I said to you, you know what, um, I got I to gotta leave the room, but I'll be back in a little while. Am I talking about size? No, I'm talking about duration. I'm talking about duration. So that word little could mean size. But when you look at it in its context, it's not talking about size. Jesus was saying, Peter, why did you quit on your faith? You were doing fine. You were walking on water. Your faith was working. You were defying natural law. 
even natural law could not stop your faith any more than that mountain could stop your faith or that sycamore tree that could stop your faith. But what happened, Peter? Why did you quit? Why did why was your faith had such a short duration? Why? Here is why. Because number one, he took his eyes off of Jesus. And he began to look at the circumstances. He began to listen to the boisterous wind. And he began to look at the waves. And then as he began to do that, what happened? Fear came into his heart. And then when fear came into his heart, here, with fear, here came doubt. So Jesus says, Peter, why? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? His doubt came from the fear. And what happened? That doubt came and it short circuit and pollute his faith. You see, the scripture says, if you have faith and doubt not. You see what happened? The Bible says in, in James chapter 1, let him ask in faith nothing wavering, because he that wavers is like the wave of the sea. Driven and tossed to and fro. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. What was wrong? What was wrong was not that Peter didn't have enough faith. But what happened? The quality of his faith. His faith was contaminated with doubt. His faith was contaminated with doubt that came from the fear. So once faith can be contaminated and polluted. And like you, the same way you can short circuit electricity. It can be short-circuited by the doubt, by the fear, and by the unbelief. Are you with me? So, what is the conclusion? I mean, this man, natural law could not stop his faith. What stopped it? It was the doubt. It was the doubt. Are you with me? So, hmm. Which tells me something else, and we're going to get there. It says this. Because sometimes people think, oh, I'm in unbelief. That means I don't have faith. No, 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 no. I'm doubted I don't have faith. No, 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 no. What happened is, doubt or unbelief does not mean that faith is not present. It doesn't mean that you don't have faith. It doesn't mean that faith is not present. What it does mean is that that faith is contaminated. Not that it's not present. Are you with me? Okay, that's very important. All right. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the problem was not his lack of faith, nor not having enough faith. The problem was the operation of his faith, and which, and, and in the, with me, which is to say, he should have kept his eyes on Jesus, on the word, even in the midst of the storm. You are going to deal with storms in your life. But you cannot allow the symptoms and the storms to steal your attention, steal your focus. Because if it does, faith will not come from the storm. Faith will not come from the circumstances. The circumstances will instill and inspire fear. Are you with me? The word of God and the face of Jesus will inspire faith. So it's about the functioning of your faith. It is about the quality of your faith. It is not about whether you have enough faith or not. Let's look at another example. Mark chapter 5. Glory to God. Amen. Mark chapter 5. The woman with the issue of blood. Anybody know her? Hallelujah. You know something? I had this thought. This might be funny. This might seem funny to you. But as I was preparing you know, for this message, I thought to myself, 
I'm going to be teaching, I'm going to be talking about Peter and the water, the one with the issue of blood, the centurion, and about Moses, about Abraham, and these folks, these individuals with which we get this little faith, too much faith, strong faith, growing in faith. And I thought to myself, you know something? I got to teach this stuff, but suppose they're sitting here. Suppose they're sitting here in, in, in this sanctuary. I better don't tell their story wrong. <laughs> In other words, I mean, the woman in Issue Blood is here, you know, I mean, and she, imagine she's here, she's listening to me, and she's, she's the, you know, she, if I mess up, she's going to say, hey, hey, that's not what happened. <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> I'm sorry, but that, that, that went into my mind. Glory to God. <laughs> All right, so let's check out the woman with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5, reading from verse 24. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. A great multitude, say a crowd. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 20 years, sorry, for 12 years. 12 years. And she had suffered many things from many physicians, and she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse. But when she heard... About Jesus. She came behind him in a crowd. Say crowd. And touched his garment. For she said. If only I may touch his clothes. I shall be made well. And immediately. The fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body. That she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately. Knowing in himself. That power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and he said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you, are, you see the multitude that's strong in you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had, been, what had happened to her, came, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Was it her, the size of her faith or was it the operation and quality of her faith? Let's examine this. To start with, this lady had some, some significant um, obstacles. There was a crowd. She had also had 12 years of failure. Believing, to, trying to get healed. She had used up her financial resources. Man, this is a place to be discouraged. This is a place to say, why should I even bother trying anymore? On top of that, she had traditions to deal with. Tradition says, you have an issue of blood. And you should not go out in public because you're unclean. And you're going to contaminate other people. And definitely, you should not be trying to touch the man of God. So all of these things were against her. And, then, and I mean, as if that is not enough, she had the voice of her circumstances. She had the voice of her symptoms. Maybe she was in pain. Maybe she had lost so much weight. Uh, there were all of these things against her. But then guess what? All right? And I'll tell you something. Let me say this. As she was dealing with all these symptoms... If she, if, in fact, and we, are, we, we deal with symptoms from time to time. But if you know, if you know that the outcome, 
the outcome of your situation is going to be healing, would you be moved by symptoms? If you knew with a certainty this is going to end up with my being healed, you wouldn't be moved. And that's for somebody, that's why I mentioned it. But anyway, this woman was dealing with all of that. But then guess what? She heard. She heard that there was this man in town and people are getting healed. Now faith cometh by hearing. But she didn't just hear. She heard and then she began to rehearse it in her mind. If I could touch the hem of his garment, I hear that there is healing happening. I hear that, man, if I could just get out of this, if I could find him, and if I could touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Maybe she may have heard some scripture that, that there's healing in his wings. I don't know. But she heard, and she believed, and she confessed. She meditated in that word, and she meditated in that word, and she kept muttering it. She kept on saying, if I could touch the hem of his garment. And then all of a sudden, she heard a, no a noise outside, and thank God she must have had some friends. Some friends that told her about that man. Glory to God. Some friends that told her that there's healing happening. And so maybe, I don't know if those friends were wrong, but she got up, got out of her house, when, when she heard the noise, went out there, touched the hem of her, his garment, and was healed. In spite of the traditions, the symptoms, 12 years of failure, the crowd that she had to press through, what happened here? Here is what happened. Number one, on none of those obstacles, and this is the spirit of faith, none of those obstacles was enough to stop her. Including the traditions. Why? Because she saw Jesus. She saw him in his grace. She saw that God is gracious. She saw and believed the grace of God. And the scripture says you can come boldly to the throne of grace. That you might obtain. That you might get help and find mercy. So she saw Jesus in his grace. She saw that God was merciful. And because of that, that was stronger than any of this other negativity. And she went out there, touched the hem of his garment. But here is the thing. She, she didn't ask Jesus. Jesus didn't even know who she was. But she got a miracle. She saw Jesus in his grace, and Jesus saw her in her faith. That's important. Romans chapter 4 verse 16 says, It is of faith that it might be by grace. The grace of God is, is um, the grace of God is the power of God. It's the glory of God. It's the life of God. It is God with, with an outstretched hand. With provisions and grace and life and power reaching out to you. And faith. Is what reaches and takes it. And that's what happened. Amen. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So it is a faith that it might be by. By grace. Listen to her faith. Listen to her faith. She kept on saying. If I may touch his clothes. I'll be whole. And then she acted on it. Faith has to do with believing, speaking, and acting. Corresponding actions. You believe? You believe the water is going to quench your thirst? Drink it. She had enough faith. But it was not about the size of her faith. It was not about the size of her faith. Here is the deal. The, the issue is, unlike Peter, she didn't allow the doubt. She didn't allow the fear. 
She didn't allow the traditions of men. She didn't allow any of the unbelief to come and contaminate her faith. And because of that, the quality of her faith was right. She saw Jesus in his grace. And the operation of her faith was right. Are you with me? It was not about enough faith. All right. Hallelujah. She moved the mountain, (laughs) right? The mountain of sickness that she was dealing with. Not because she had enough faith. That mountain was not able to stop her. The doubt, the unbelief, she didn't allow any of that. And that is why her faith worked. Say faith, say, say this with me. Faith uncontaminated works. Amen. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go look at the next one of our friends. And she's here too. So you got to tell the story right. The Syrophoenician woman. In fact, they call her the, 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 the Canaanite woman. Matthew chapter 15. We've got to make sure we tell our story right. <laughs> Amen. I mean, can you imagine? That Syrophoenician woman and the woman with the issue of blood and, you know, they, they've been wanting somebody to tell their story right and not be twisting it. <laughs> Amen. Glory. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. All right. Matthew chapter 15, reading from verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and he departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and, he, and urged him saying, send her away because she's crying out after us. But he answered and he said, I was not sent except to the lordship of, of the house of Israel. Then she came and she worshiped him. Saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs, to the little puppies. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now here again, Jesus says, great is your faith. And so, what, do we, what, what happened? We run off and we think that he was talking about the size of our faith. But what really happened here? Let's consider it. This woman could have been offended. Jesus in his hometown could there do no mighty works. You know why? They were offended at him. They said, we know him. That's the carpenter's son. He used to play with us. We know his We know his And they were offended at him. They had no attitude of honoring him, having hospitality towards him. They were rude. They were disrespectful. This woman had that opportunity, but she didn't. She worshiped him. She showed him. She, she, she worshiped him. She, she cried out and said, ask, she asked for mercy. She respected him. She was hospitable to him. She did not take the bait of being offended. Even though he literally called her a little puppy. 
Even though he said to her, look, I didn't come here to heal you. I come here for the, for the children of, of, of Israel. I didn't come for you. My time, the time, the, the, the time for the Gentiles is not yet. But she, did, she didn't accept. She didn't get offended. She continued. She just believed God. What happened here? Again, even though it was not, the dispensation was such that Jesus was not sent to the Gentiles, she decided, you know what? I hear what you're saying. You're saying all of this stuff, but you know what? I see you. You are full of mercy. I see you. You are gracious. You are abundance and grace and kindness. And because she saw Jesus in his grace, Jesus saw her in her faith. And she made a marvelous statement where she says, look, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I don't need the whole bread. Just one little crumb is enough. One little crumb is enough. And, and by so doing, she was number one, not accepting and overriding the fact that the dispensation where, where God was reaching out to the Gentiles had not yet come. She literally stepped over that time barrier. You know how many times people's faith is short-circuited because of the element of time? This has been going on for too long or it's too late or whatever the case might be. It is now stage four. But she stepped over that time barrier. She did not allow the, the spirit of offense to get a hold of her. And instead, she believed, all I need is a little crumb. You are gracious. You are merciful. You've got in your hand what my daughter needs. And I'm here to get it. Do you see that? And so what? It, was, it the quality, was it the quantity of our faith? No, it was the quality of our faith. And it was the way she functioned in faith. So here again, it was not the size of our faith. It was the quality and it was the operation of our faith. All right? Let's look at another one. We're going to visit with the centurion. Hello, Mr. Centurion. <laughs> All right. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. The centurion, Matthew chapter 8. Let's pick it up. Glory to God in chapter 8, verse 5 to 13. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come underneath my roof. But only speak a word, not even a sentence. Just speak a word and my servant will be healed. Listen to the testimony of faith. Listen to the voice of faith. Calling those things that be not as though they were. For I am a man under authority having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. I say that with my mouth. Go. And he goes. And to another come. And he comes. And to my servant do this. And he does it. Now, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said, those who, and he said to those who followed, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Here again, great faith. Is he talking about size or is he talking about quality and function? Here is this centurion. Number one, he understood authority. Did he? Number two, he understood 
the power of words and that you can release authority with words. You don't have to come to my house. He was not concerned about the distance. You know, sometimes people feel you got to be right there to lay hands on them. Thank God for the laying on of hands. To Jairus, Jairus said, come to my house and lay your hands on my daughter and she'll be well. That's where Jairus' faith was at. This man says, you don't even have to come to my house. Distance doesn't matter. My servant don't have to be in your presence. You have such power. You can release your authority with speaking words and my servant will be healed. And on top of that, on top of this understanding of authority, how it functions, how it works, and, and, and not being hindered by the issue of time and space, this man also had compassion. Compassion for his servant. He was crying out and pleading and believing for Jesus to just speak that word because of his love for his servant. Faith works by love. And that in and of itself, you know, sometimes you could pray for some people just mechanically. Father, in the name of Jesus, heal him. But there is no heart of compassion. You're not touched by their infirmity. You don't have that desire in your heart to do what you can to release and alleviate the pain and the suffering. Jesus was moved by compassion. That man came with compassion for his servant. Put all those stuff together on what was going on here. This man, it was not the size of his faith. It was the quality of his faith. And it was the way he functioned in faith. Now, what about Brother Abraham? Remember Abraham? Let's look at that one. Romans chapter 4. So we've seen already four cases. And each one of them, the very places from which we get this idea of not having enough faith... Because of words like great faith and, and where is your faith and oh ye of little faith. That's where it came from. But we examine the ones that we examined so far. In all of the cases, it was never about the size. All right. Romans chapter 4. Let's pick it up in verse 19. And hopefully you do know the story. Let me read it in verse Verse 18. Talking about Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope he believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. Verse 19. And not being weak in faith. Now, by the way, it didn't even say not having little faith. Or, uh, no, not being weak in faith. That alone should tell you we're not talking size. Not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He was not fixated on what the symptoms are. He was not tied into this is what the symptoms... No, no, no. The senses was not dictating to him. He considered it not. It doesn't mean that he was in denial. He was aware that he was 100 years old. He was aware of where Sarah was at. But he wasn't fixed on that. The word of God says that when a man's eye is single, his whole body will be filled with light. When a man is focused, when a man is not distracted by circumstances, when he's going to walk by faith and not by sight. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver. Remember, a double-minded man is, is unstable in all of his ways. He's wavering. He's wandering. 
and that wavering and that wandering is unbelief and, and it's doubt. We have to be focused in our faith. We have to, you got to doubt your doubt and starve your unbelief. Don't feed it. Anyway, and he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So he was not weak in faith. He did not look at and focus on the symptoms. And that issue of weak is not about quality. I mean, it's not about size. It's about quality. He grew strong in faith. He grew strong in faith. And, and it says, how was this strong faith indicated? Giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. Abounding in thanksgiving and in praise. While the circumstances didn't even change. The scripture speaks about Jonah. Jonah chapter 2 verse 8. Where Jonah, in the midst of, the, of that dangerous threatening situation in the belly of that fish he said you know what i am not gonna allow these symptoms to dictate my belief and he decided you know what i'm gonna do because he said, if i do that i'm gonna chop off the delivery the deliverance the mercy and the grace so he said you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna offer unto god the sacrifice of thanksgiving and that's what Abraham was operating. And he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. So what is the point? The point is, again, what are we seeing? It was not the size of Abraham's faith, but it was the quality and the function of his faith. Now, when we go into the, new, into the epistles, and as I said, the fact of the matter is you can take this information and you can chase any verse of scripture, any story, anywhere in the New Testament, and you take this truth and apply it, and you will see, never, at not once, is it ever talking about the size of faith. Are you with me? Say, I got enough faith. In the epistles, we find a number of, let's call it faith nuggets, such as, and I'm going to rattle them off. Is that okay? Say rattle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Machine gun fire. Number one, it speaks, for instance, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 9. It speaks and it says the mystery of faith lies in a pure conscience. The secret of faith, in other words, when your conscience is pure, the mystery of faith lies what? In a pure conscience. Again, we're not talking size, we're talking quality. And it also says in 1 Timothy 1, verse 19, that without a pure conscience, then your faith can suffer shipwreck, which means it crash. Why? Because of lack of pure conscience. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says the end of the commandment is love and charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and a faith unfeigned. Now, the word unfeigned means genuine, genuine, authentic, honest, quality. We're talking quality faith. We're not talking about the size of faith. First Thessalonians 3 verse 10. Paul said to the Thessalonian church and they were dear to his heart. And Paul says, man, I want to come and I want to see your face. I want to come see your face. I want to visit with you guys. Eat some of that food. Well, he, he didn't say that. <laughs> All right? All right? You know, he says, I want to come and I want to visit with you. I want to see your face that I might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. 
so that I can, I, can, I can help you get your faith straightened out so that we can deal with some of those things that are polluting and short-circuiting your faith. Again, what are we talking about? Quality and the operation of your faith. Paul said, I want to come and I want to help you so that your faith can function correctly. Are you with me? Second Peter 1 verse 1. Peter says, you have received like Precious faith as the other apostles. Like precious faith. He didn't say that you have received the same size of faith. Like precious faith. Say quality. Second Peter chapter one, chapter 1 and I think verse 5. Peter says, add to your faith. Add. Add. Add to your faith virtue and knowledge and, 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 and so on. He didn't say come increase your faith. Did he say that? He said, come add to it. Add to your faith. Not increase your faith. Not increase the size. He was saying, add to your faith. Let's improve the quality. Let's improve the functionality. Let's get joy hooked up in there. Let's get love hooked up in there. Let's get perseverance and patience hooked up in there. So, now let's go back to the mustard seed just as we, as we come in for the landing. Let's go back to Luke chapter 17. Amen. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 17. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Luke chapter 17, reading from verse 6. So the Lord said, verse 5, increase your faith. So the Lord said, <laughs> okay, did they say, Lord, increase our faith? And so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be plucked up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. They say, Lord, increase our faith. Quite frankly, if you dissect this thing, Jesus said to them, wait a minute here. You don't need your faith increased. That's not the issue. Wrong question. Say wrong question. Right? <laughs> he says, look, so the Lord said, if, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be plucked up from the roots, be cast in the sea. He said, if. Now, let's consider this word if for a moment. Amen? Now, the word if can mean since. Um, Marissa, are you going to be here next week? Good. Wonderful. If you are here next week, could you share that healing testimony? What are we saying? I'm saying since you're going to be here next week, could you share that testimony? I'm saying so that if means since. If could mean since. All right. There's four different meanings that if can have. Here's another one. <laughs> if can also means that it is just not true. If cows can fly, milking a cow would be very difficult. I guess you guys have never seen milk in a cow. But if cows could fly, how difficult would it be to ride the cow? Are you with me? In other words, then, it's not true. Cows can't fly. So that if means it's ridiculous. It's not true. Then there's a third if. I don't know how many of you like sports and basketball. And this is an if that means maybe you will Maybe you will not. 
The Lakers basketball team, the Los Angeles Lakers, will win the NBA next year. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. If the Lakers win the NBA next year, maybe they will, maybe they won't. That's another if. Are you with me? And then there's another if <laughs> that is so far from reality. You know, several years ago, and I mean several decades ago, I had an opportunity. And it was an opportunity, it was a business opportunity, that had I engaged and take advantage of that opportunity, oh man, there are millions and millions of dollars I would have probably made. You would be looking at a multi-millionaire right now. But that was several years ago. Now, if I say, if, if I, if I say something like, um, if I can do it again, I'd take that opportunity. Really, I am saying I wish knowing that it's impossible. It's impossible for that opportunity to come again. Is that right? Okay? So if could mean all of these things, I say all of that to say this. Here we are talking about a if that means sin. So Jesus, so the disciples says, Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, Look, since you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be rooted up and be cast into the sea, and it will obey you. And then he goes on to say, Which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep? will say to him when he has come in from the field, come in, come at once and sit down to eat now. But will you not rather say to him, go prepare something for me to eat for supper, gird yourself and then come serve me and I, so that I may eat and I may drink and afterward then you can eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that he was commanded to do? I don't think so. In other words then, faith is a servant. Faith is a servant, and it can not only move that tree, but that faith can feed you. That faith can, take, can cause your needs to be met. That faith, you ought to use your faith for your healing. You ought to need your, use your faith for relationships. You ought to use your faith for all, any and all of the promises of God. And when your faith accomplishes it, you don't go bow down and worship your faith. Your faith did what it was supposed to do. Are you with me? But was Jesus talking about having enough faith? I mean, was Jesus talking about, about the size of your faith? No. No. Like I said, that mulberry tree could have 60 feet of root, but yet that little tiny seed can move it. In a situation where with um, Matthew chapter 17, it was the same thing. It was pretty well the same thing. But this time Jesus talked about a mountain. He says, if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, be removed and go over there and it will obey you. Again, he was not talking about, your faith, about the size of your faith. He did say this. The reason why you disciples came back and you didn't get results, it was because of your unbelief. It wasn't because you didn't have enough faith. If you have enough faith, Matthew 17, 20, man, it would be that, that seed, just that tiny seed would be more than enough. And nothing will be impossible to you. So the problem was not your faith. The problem was your unbelief. That polluted your faith. That short-circuited your faith. 
Amen? The mountain cannot stop that tiny mustard seed faith, but unbelief can. You had enough faith for the greatest miracle, which is being born again. There is no situation you could ever face that is bigger than the miracle that you've already obtained with your faith. God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. Unbelief can stop your faith. Doubt and fear can stop your faith. God says he's dealt to every man the measure of faith. Glory to God. Glory to God. So the thing is, you have got to keep yourself, make sure you're not hitched together with unbelief. That you're not hooked up with a fear that could lead to doubt. You've got to decide so that the issue is not about your faith. The issue is to shut the doubt out. And when the doubt gets in, doubt your doubt. When the doubt says, ah, I don't think this is working, say, I doubt you. Doubt your doubt. Practice doubting your doubt. And when it comes to your un- the unbelief, starve it. Starve it. Don't feed it. Right? Don't, don't, don't. But starve the, uh, starve the unbelief. And stay in the word of God. Meditate in the word of God. The reason, one of the reasons for fasting is so that the unseen things can become more real to, to you than what your senses are trying to tell you. The word that is settled in heaven becomes more real, even though you don't see it. Amen? The fact that the works are finished from the foundation of the world becomes more real. That's why you fast. That's why you meditate in the word, so that you could come to that place where the unbelief is shut down. But you've got enough faith. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. It is a gift, and quite frankly, I'm going to throw this in for free. (laughs) Can we do that? The very faith that you've got, where did it come from? Did the devil give you faith? Did it come from the world? Where did it come from? It came from God. God is the one that gives you, dealt to every man a measure of faith. It is his very own faith. That is why Jesus said in Mark chapter 11 verse 22, have faith in God. Dissect it, it says have the faith of God. It does mean your faith functioning the way God's faith works, but it says have the faith of God. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, you are saved, it says that I'm you are crucified with Christ. It's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lived in you. And the life that you now live, you live by the faith of the Son of God. That faith that is in your born-again spirit is Jesus' faith. Don't you tell me that that's not enough. Or don't you tell me that, that you've got Jesus' faith. Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. That I might be found in him, not of him my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness which is by the faith of Jesus. Galatians 2 verse 16, same thing. We have received like precious faith. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13, we have the same spirit of faith, not a different one. Say I got faith. You know, we talk about the fruits of the Spirit. is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, faith. But let me ask you something. That love that is a fruit of the Spirit, is it not the love of God? The peace that you have, is it not Jesus says, it's my peace that I leave with you? Well, the faith is not any different. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Say, I've got Jesus' faith. 
Now, the, the, your responsibility and mine is to use it. Keep sending it out. Keep putting it to work. And our responsibility is don't allow it to be contaminated with doubt and unbelief and fear. Say, I got enough faith. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, now you know these things. I got enough faith. Say it again. Now you know these things. Say, I got enough faith. Now the word of God says, blessed are they that know these things and do it. So now you know you got enough faith, what should you do? Do you, do you, do you ask God to move the mountains? You move the mountains. Do you ask God to give you faith when you already got it? No. Amen? You don't ask God to give you what you already got. And you don't ask God to do what he's told you to do. So, I'm, so here is the whole objective. You have enough faith. Now use your faith. Speak to those mountains. Speak to the finances. Speak to your body. Speak to your lungs. Speak to your bloodstream. Speak to that blood pressure. Speak to those knees. Speak. Take the promises of God and put it in your mouth. And speak them. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's stand. Let's make this confession right now. Say thank you Lord. I have enough faith. You have given me. Your faith. I have the faith of Christ. It's in my spirit. You have given it to me. And so with my faith. I reach out. And I receive, and I take from you grace, your provisions, that which is settled in heaven. I release my faith, and I receive the blessings. In the name of Jesus, I use my faith. I speak to the mountains. Mountains, you're going to obey me because you obey my faith. You see? The word of God says, through faith we understand that all things were made. And faith was the substance of it. The things which are seen did not come from the things which do appear. Faith is what gives it substance. Faith is the parent of it all. So when faith comes to that mountain, that mountain has to move. And faith and the word of God are one. Faith comes from the word of God. And you can't have water. When water comes, wet comes. Have you ever tried getting wet, trying to get water without the wet? Not possible. Well, when the word of God comes, faith comes. And the word of God created all things. Faith created all things. So it doesn't matter what it is. It has to obey faith. Whether it be the mountain, whether it be the mulberry tree, whether it be sickness, whether it be disease, whether it be that bank bank account. So say this with me, I have enough faith. And I am determined that I'm going to use my faith. Lord, I receive grace to speak to the mountains in my life and command them to move and they will obey me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Let's have a seat. Amen. Now I believe you understand that message and you got it. Amen. Say I got it. Say I got it. 
praise the Lord God forevermore. All right, we're going to take this opportunity and bless the Lord in our giving. Now, I want to say two things right now as we give. First of all, I want to say this. The reason that I'm asking you to give is because I'm asking you to give because first and foremost, um, this ministry is being bless a blessing to you and you're learning, you're growing. But also because of the vision that the Lord has given unto us. And so you're sowing into that vision. What is the vision? In a nutshell, what it is is that several years ago, back in 1997, I had a vision. It was in the middle of the day. I was awake. I wasn't sleeping. And there was this tree that grew out from the middle of the globe, which is the earth. And then it grew and it covered the top of the earth. It covered the entire earth. And on top of that tree was like an umbrella. And it was made up of a net. I have come to find out that that net was an internet. Was speaking about internet. And because of the technology that is available today, God has called me to preach what? The tree, which is a revelation of righteousness. The cross, Jesus hung upon that cross, which has to do with the sacrifice of Christ. So to, to preach the truth concerning the revelation of righteousness and the sacrifice of Christ and use the net, the, the internet technology and get this message to the uttermost parts of the earth. To every nation, no matter where on this earth that it is. So when you are sowing into this vision, you are sowing, you are saying, yes, I want to see this come to pass. And I want to support this. I want the word that I'm receiving, what you are hearing, you, you saying, I want to be part of getting this word and this truth out to the body of Christ, no matter where on this planet it is. That's what you're sowing into. Amen? Now, Scripturally, God says that if you favor his righteous cause, he also delight in your prosperity. So I want you to give with that in mind because the ministry is a blessing to you, but also especially because you want to support this vision as we go forward. Amen? Now, there's a number of ways you can give. That information is on the screen. But one other, one other thing I want to say to you is this. Right now, a situation has arisen where there is some equipment that we need. And, um, and for what it is, it's, it's, it's $1,300 that we need now. <laughs> so, now that's outside of your regular giving and your tithes and your offering, but that's $1,300 that we need right now. So, you can give directly to that so that your giving is going to be towards that as well so that we can have those finances and get the equipment we need so that we can be more efficient, more effective, and, um, and operate with excellence. Amen? So, I invite you to participate with us by giving, and I believe that as you do, God sees your heart, God sees your giving, and he will see to it that all grace abound towards you so that you would have all sufficiency and that you may be able to abound to every good work. Amen? God is good, God is gracious, and God is faithful. So I invite you to participate, and the information is on your screen. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And for those here, you, 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 um, you can raise your hands and, and you will be helped. But let me just close in prayer right now. Father, Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you for everyone that has given in the past. And I thank you for everyone that is giving right now. I thank you, Lord God, that for those that are seeing and capturing this vision and what this is all about. So that even though it might seem as if our beginning is small, that our latter end is greatly increased. So that they would recognize what it is they're sowing into, and they would recognize also the participation and the report that they have in it, 
and at the part that they have in, in the harvest that comes out of it. So, Father, I'm just asking that you would bless them, that you would prosper them, that you would increase them, that the devourer would be rebuked for their sake, that you would give them promotion, that you would give them creative ideas, that you would give them favor, increase favor with you, but also increase favor with man in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for doing it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God.